Let's turn to the prophet Isaiah again. Just for a basis this evening, Isaiah 31. And we'll just lift a few verses out. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, Paul. Bless his name. Isaiah chapter 31, beginning to read of verse 4. <clears throat> For thus hath the Lord spoken unto me, like as the lion and the young lion roaring on his prey. Take note. When a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him, He will not be afraid of their voice, nor abase himself for the noise of them. So shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion and for the hill thereof. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, he will deliver it, and passing over, he will preserve it. Turn ye unto him from whom the children of Israel hath deeply Revolted. You know the Lord will bless the reading of his word. Keep your Bibles open. We'll be going through much scripture tonight. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that we, Lord, can gather together this evening and for the, the people that you've brought out to fill this house. We ask you, Father, to glorify your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to help every one of us see that you are sovereign, sovereign God and sovereign Lord over everything even over the nations and the kingdoms and the kings. Lord, we ask you tonight to help us not just to see, Lord, your sovereignty over the nations, but also in the sovereignty of God in our salvation and redemption. That, Lord, every one of us, as your son has even told that man who came to see him by night, that we must be born again. Father, help us this evening and take your word and inscribe it upon our hearts and implant it upon our minds and enable us, Lord, to understand this evening and give us minds, Lord, to to be able to comprehend and hearts to receive the word of God. And we pray tonight, Lord, that you would speak to every one of us. Help us to know the days in which we are living in, that we must be ready for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. We ask it in Jesus' name and we ask it for his glory. Giving you thanks for everything. Amen. Last week, using these three verses in scripture, the three things we looked at were the power of God. We also mentioned the protection of God. And thirdly, we also mentioned the perseverance of God. The power of God, the protection of God, and the perseverance of God. Give you a few points last week on why would we do such an in-depth Bible study. Obviously the title is Knowing the Days in Which We Live In. And the idea is that you and I would know exactly what sort of days we are living in. And know that we must be ready for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that no man will see the kingdom of God except he is born again. No woman will enter the kingdom either, except they are born again of the Spirit and washed in the blood of the Lamb. That is by faith in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. No matter 
your, your background, what lifestyle you've grown up in, whether it be poor or rich, whether it be a meagre or a plentiful lifestyle, when, no matter what denomination you, you grew up under, whether you were confirmed in an Anglican church or a Catholic church, or no matter what denomination you were, you were grown up with your parents under, no matter your nationality, no matter of the color of your skin, red and yellow, black, white, purple if you're purple, it doesn't matter that all men must be born again to enter the kingdom of God, coming under the fountain of blood, that is the blood that was shed by our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we have some of the points from last week. I'll mention them, I'll not speak on them. We mention this historical interpretation of Scripture because, first of all, it proves its divine origin, showing things that are fulfilled in history. Secondly, it shows us where we are in the history of the world. Thirdly, it shows God's dealings with nations in the world and also with individuals. It shows the sovereignty of God. Fourthly, it shows how close we are to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Some call it Armageddon, that's another term, but we'll leave that for tonight. Fifthly, we preach this because, because it warns every sinner, that is, every unsaved man and woman, of the coming judgment upon the earth, and the wrath of God abideth upon every man and woman outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to let every man and woman know that they are living in the day of grace. And sixthly, because it gives the redeemed child of God, the redeemed saint hope of the coming of the Lord to set up his kingdom, joy in our hearts because we belong to Christ, it builds us up on upon our most holy faith and we look forward to the coming of the Lord. It gives excitement in our souls when we see the signs and the indicators around the earth according to Bible prophecy. So why do we preach it? Because Hosea 4 and 6 says, For my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That's the word of the Lord. Many people in Great Britain, in the West in general, the United States, they don't know who we are. They don't know what we can be in Christ. They don't know of the coming of the Lord. They hear about it. It's fanciful. It's fairy tales. And because of what's known as dispensational futurism, it is taken and thrown sometime in the future. We don't understand it. We can't link up history and where these scriptures are, so throw it into the future and pretend it happens when a so-called one-man antichrist comes, makes a covenant with the Jews and breaks it, and of course Armageddon allegedly breaks out. Throw it into the future, and that puts blinkers on every child of God. These scriptures that we have, the Bible, these 66 books in one volume, tells us where we are in the history of the world, tells us where we are as a nation and as people and of the wrath of God that is soon to be poured out upon the British Isles and the United States of America. America tonight is in grave danger. They have re-elected a man who is a, a murderer as in child abortion. He propagates it and he is for it. He is also for gay pride and gay parades and gay marriage. 
that man is Islamic and wants to destroy the United States of America. Fact. Now when he was running for president, I preached from this pulpit and I said, he proclaimed that he was a Christian and so did everyone else. And I proclaimed from this pulpit, his name is Barack Hussein Obama. He grew up in Kenya and he is an Islamic. And people looked at me with crossed eyes as though I had four heads. And now everyone knows the truth. The West is in grave danger, especially since they were the bastion of the word of God and proclaiming the truth of God's word. Let's look at these verses tonight to see where we are in the year 2012 according to the scriptures. Last week we looked at the power of God. Verse 4 says, For thus hath the Lord spoken unto me, like as the lion and the young lion roaring on his prey. When a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor abase himself of the noise of them. So shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion and for the hill thereof. Now here we have the picture of the lion, that is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord also uses nations with heraldry. He used the the Babylonians and he used the Assyrians. We'll look at that in a moment. And he used them as his, his chastening rod for his people. But then you see these nations are taken and used, then discarded. You see, what we have to watch for in the earth today is what God is doing among all of the nations and see what is happening as we see our nation even going into Europe and our nation coming back out again. God is going to bring Britain out of Europe. God is going to cause such a commotion and a calamity in the European Union that it is going to finally collapse and Babylon the Great will be fallen, fallen, and our nation must come out. God will call her out from that vile system of the European Union. Free trade, yes, but social, economics and agenda with the European Union, no, not, never, brothers and sisters, always remember that. It's from Babylon. Now we'll look at that also in a little moment. Here, the British Isles is known as the lion and the young lions is the commonwealth of nations. God used them already around Jerusalem. We'll look at it in a moment. But when Christ returns, his feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives and all of Jerusalem will be shaken, even parts of it destroyed because there will be a great earthquake that will strike as his feet land, go right down to the Cape Horn of Africa and we will see the biggest earthquake that ever came upon this earth when Jesus returns again. Now note that. Here is the young land. We'll look at them. Uh, look at this in a moment. Secondly, that's the power of God. Secondly, in verse 5, we have the protection of God. This is going to be our biggest point this evening. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, he will deliver it. And passing over, he will preserve it. Now, do you see the idea here of the Lord who will be coming with wings? As birds flying. The Lord will come. Here is the protection of God. And why do we say that? 
The idea here of the bird flying over and protecting gives the idea of a mother bird hovering over her brood. One to feed, two to protect for a reason. For there are animals coming to take her young. And the mother bird will fly over the nest, flapping her wings in order to shelter her young ones. And this is the idea of the protecting wings of love over his beloved city to keep it for when his son returns again and sets up his kingdom and rules and reigns from Jerusalem. Notice this in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. You'll also find it in Luke 13 and 34. But let's read this. The Lord Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stonest the prophets and killest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen hath gathered her children, chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Here is the Lord saying, we've sent prophet after prophet after prophet. I have come, I have preached the gospel of the kingdom for three and a half years to this people. I have showed signs and wonders and miracles and still you turn me away. I've spoken to you and still you refuse to turn unto the Lord. There's someone here tonight and God has spoken to you, maybe in these meetings. And God has been dealing with you in your heart and you know it. And you've turned him away and you've turned him away and you've turned him away again. Friend, my advice to you this evening would be, today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Don't harden your heart. Pharaoh said he would let Israel go in Egypt. And then he hardened his heart. And he said it again, and he hardened his heart. And he said it again, and he hardened his heart. And he said it again, and he hardened his heart. Until God says, you see, that's the real depravity of man's heart. He says it, doesn't mean it, can't save himself, nor keep his own word. And God took Pharaoh, and we're told, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. You see, God is justified in all that he does. God is justified whenever men and women go to a lost eternity without Christ, without God and without hope in the world. Our God is justified in all of his ways. Pharaoh's heart was hardened by the Lord. And I can tell you something now, friend. When God hardens your heart, You'll never have it softened again. Today if you hear his voice. Harden not your heart. Here Christ gives himself and pictures himself. As a mother hen fluttering his wings. As almighty God deity clothed in flesh says. I wanted to shelter you. To shield you. To save you. To deliver you. Under the shadow of my wings. But you would not. And that's what he wants to do for you tonight friend. But you would not. You know what he says in the next verse to them? Shouts over Jerusalem to the Jews. He shouts. Behold your house. Your temple. Is left unto you desolate. 
No more sacrifice on the altar after AD 70. Titus the Roman prince destroyed it. No more sacrifices for sin. Christ has paid it all. No more little lambs and goats. Christ was the Lamb of God that bore away the sin of the world. Done. Finished. Our sins are paid in full. Here he shows himself with spread wings. In Deuteronomy 32, the Lord also shows himself again to Israel. And he shows himself as an eagle this time, a protector. One who will stir up a nest and one who will scatter and carry away. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 11, the Lord says, As an eagle stirreth up her nest and fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings and taketh them and beareth them on her wings. He says, that's what I'm like. An eagle who stirs up her nest, pulls out the downy feathers, makes things uncomfortable for the fledglings, and then they're kicked out of the nest. And that's what God did to Israel for their sin. He stirred up their nest by allowing the enemy to come in because of their sin. They brought in other gods. They built idols and statues and groves. And God stirred up their nest. And they were scattered into the wilderness. What is that wilderness? Revelation chapter 12 tells us of the scattering. Talks about a woman clothed with a son. And that is not Mother Mary, as the Catholics would say. And it's not the church. It is Israel scattered in the wilderness. Carried on, listen, eagle's wings. Given two wings as an eagle, it says in Revelation chapter 12. So here is the scattering of Israel. So here we have the Lord saying in Isaiah 31 and verse 5. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, he will deliver it. And passing over, he will preserve it. Here we have the power of God as a lion. The protection of God as a bird hovering over Jerusalem. It's the city of the great king. This shows God dealing with ancient Israel. Also with latter day Israel as well. Now, this is where we start getting into numbers, facts, and figures, so please stay with me. Leviticus chapter 26. And in Leviticus 26, there's a tremendous portion of Scripture here. And if you'd like to turn with me, if you have your Bible, we'll pick out one or two verses. Leviticus chapter 26, please. The Lord says in in verse 18, And if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you, notice, seven times more, For your sins. The Lord is saying I am your God. And I will protect you. I will flutter over you. I will keep my wings over you. You'll be under my protection. He says but if you do not hearken unto me. I will punish you seven times more. For your sins. Verse 21. I will bring seven times more plagues. Upon you according to your sins. Verse 24. Then will I walk contrary unto you and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. Verse 28. Then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury and I even I will chastise you seven times for your sins. Verse 32. And I will bring the land into desolation and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it and I will scatter you Among the heathen. Do you see that? God says if you walk contrary to me. I'll walk contrary to you. And I'll become furious at you. If you keep up your ways. 
And I, like an eagle stirring up her nest, will throw you out. And you'll be scattered among the heathen. Many of the prophets say scattered among the nations of the earth and so on. Stay with me. This seven times punishment. Israel are in the land of of Palestine, the holy land as we would call it. And they keep on sinning before the Lord. And the Lord has them there, separates them into two kingdoms. In 1 Kings chapter 11, 1 Kings chapter 11, please, if if you want to turn with me. I want to read a few verses, just for time's sake. 1 Kings chapter 11. Notice what it says here. Verse 28. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. Now Jeroboam was Solomon, David's son. That was his, Solomon's servant, okay? So Jeroboam is the servant of Solomon, who was King David's son. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man, that he was industrious, made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. And it came to pass at that time, When Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, that the prophet Ahijah the Shilonite found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment, and they they two were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. Take note of that. And he said unto Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Because that they have forsaken me and worship Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians. By the way, Ashtaroth, Ashtarte, Ishtar is where you get Ishtar from. Just thought I'd like to know that next time you're having your Easter egg. This is the wife of Nimrod of the Babylonian kingdom we've been looking at. Just let me go on here. Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Melcham, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes, and to keep my statutes and my judgments, as did David his father. Howbeit, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life. For David my servant's sake, whom I choose, because he kept my commandments and statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hands, and will give it unto thee, even ten tribes." And unto his son will I give one tribe, that David my servant may have a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. Here is where Mount Zion is, where God would flutter over in a later date. Ahijah the prophet is in the field. He meets Jeroboam, who is the servant of Solomon. And as he meets him, he takes his new coat, rents it in 12 pieces, takes 10 pieces of cloth, and gives it to Jeroboam. And he says, you will have 
ten tribes to root over. But two of them will be there for David, my servant's sake, because Solomon loved many strange women. Solomon had about a thousand women on tow. Dare help him. And Solomon brought their gods in. That's what happens when we have multiculturalism and they're not loving Christ. They bring in their gods, they set up their temples, they set up their mosques, and that's what happens. The Lord says, take ten pieces, or Ahijah says, take ten pieces, and they are yours, Jeroboam, but I won't take it from Solomon. Wait till his son comes, because David loves his son I'll take it off David's grandson, Rehoboam. So Rehoboam comes. He becomes the king. The king of Judah. The southern kingdom. We should have a a picture for the wall here in a moment. He becomes the king in Jerusalem of the southern kingdom of Judah. And of course, Jeroboam then becomes the king of the house of Israel. Of the northern kingdom. That's a little later, Denise. One of the two kingdoms, please. He becomes the king of Samaria, which is the capital. Israel and Judah. Jerusalem and Samaria is the capital. These become two nations. Two kingdoms. Two sticks. Two brothers. Two cities. Two, two, two throughout scripture. In other words, they have two destinies and they fulfill two requirements of the Lord. I want to show you something, so stay with me. Leviticus 26 and verse 42 and verse 43. Listen to what the Lord says about those. He says, whenever I will stir you up, in other words, as an eagle. Leviticus chapter 26, please. Verse 42. Notice what the word of the Lord says here. Then will I remember my covenant with Jacob and also my covenant with Isaac and also my covenant with Abram and I will remember and I will remember the land. The land also shall be left of them and shall enjoy her Sabbaths while she lieth desolate without them. Notice that. God says this land will be bereft of the children of Israel. And they shall accept of the punishment of their iniquity because even because they despise my judgments because their soul abhorred my statutes. Here we have the nation is split. And as the nation is split, we're told then Israel become corrupt. There are kings who are ruling in Samaria. Every, almost every one of them do evil before the Lord becomes a real adulterous, drunken nation. They're called the drunkards of Ephraim. They're so bad. They become a nation that are vile in every way. Everything goes. They pass their children through the fires of Molech. They sacrifice their own young ones to please gods that are not the gods of Israel, the God of Israel. And here we have God looking upon it. He's grieved at it. And God calls time. God sends the Assyrian army toward the land. And you'll see here where the river Jordan, it runs directly north. 
There's one with the tribes around at the knees. Please put it up. The river Jordan goes right up. We have the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And over this side of Jordan here, we also have them. Put the other one up, please, Denise. I know people here on the, who are listening can't see this. Here we have the kingdom of Israel. And down this side, the tribes are the tribe of God, Manasseh, and Reuben. On the east side of that river Jordan. Now, in 744 BC, there was a, 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 an attack on the first raids came from the east to the west against the northwest portion of Israel, the kingdom of Israel. And in 744 BC started the seven times punishment that God said would happen in Leviticus chapter 26. Now take note of this. This is utmost of importance. There's people and they say, Ah, I don't know. What, what did I tell you? When you listen to this, this should blow your mind and show you the sovereignty of God in all things. Now that's seven times punishment is counted like this. One time is 360. Now we can go into lunar calendars and solar calendars. We're not doing that to keep it simple. One time is 360. How many degrees in a circle? 360 degrees. If I'm facing you, turn to the wall and turn back. 360 degrees is one time. So seven times punishment starts in 744 BC at the first raids on the house of Israel. And that 744 BC was seven times 360 is 2,520. Let me say it again. Seven times. One time is 360. 360 multiplied by seven. Do your maths when you go home. Is 2,520. A day for a year in prophecy brings it to 2,520 years would pass on the house of Israel. Now notice this. This is fantastic. God takes them away captive. We are old Denise, please. God takes them away captive first of all. No, not that one. One before that, please. Just the two arrows. And as God takes them away captive in 744 BC, 2,520 years taken, 744, the numbers get less, 743, 742, because it's BC. And there's no year not, so you go from minus 1 to plus 1 AD. It brings us up to the year 1776 AD. 1776 AD. So let me just tell you what it means again. 1776 AD is 2,520 years from the first deportment of the house of Israel. They're scattered, as the Lord said, throughout the heathen or the nations. And when we look in, uh, with a God-eye view at world prophetic or world prophecy and the sovereignty of God, we look to see what happens in the earth as they go west and move toward the west and the islands and so on. We look to see what happens. In 1776, the Declaration of Independence of the 13 seaboard colonies of the United States of America was declared on the exact same year. Notice God starting to raise up nations. You tell me, is this a coincidence or is this a God incident? In 1776 is the Declaration of the Independence 
of the 13 states from Great Britain. Then what we had on the east side of the tribes penetrating further in, taking the east tribes of of Manasseh, Reuben and Gad, which was on the east side of the river, they came in 737 BC. They They moved in and started taking people away. And in 737 BC, the seven times punishment from that date, we have 1783. Now when the Declaration of Independence was made in 1776, the exact same year of the second uh, uh, migration or moving away of Israel brought us to the year 1783. And it wasn't until that time that the declaration was actually written up and the United States was properly formed or it was recognized. Then there was a third deportment. And the third deportment on the house of Israel was when they went over, took the main bulk of Israel away, took the most of them away and carried them away captive up through up over here to the Caucasus Mountains and so on. They carried them away. And that year was 733 BC. And when we do 2,520 years from it, it was the Constitution was written of the United States of America. America would become a great nation in the earth. The great Manasseh nation of Bible prophecy. Is that a coincidence? At the end of those punishments, is that a coincidence? Or is that the Lord's sovereignty working in the earth? Stay with me for a moment. There was one more carrying away. Another attack came to the house of Israel and they carried away the tribe of Ephraim and the rest of the house of Israel in 721 BC. And then 721 BC brings us to the year 1801 AD. You know what happened in that year? 1801 AD. This is important for where we're going to next. Do you know what happened in that year? It was the declaration of the union of Great Britain and Ireland. Where God starts to bring up these nations in the earth that will go back over and liberate Jerusalem at the end of the house of Judah's captivity. I think that is tremendous. I'm hoping you're able to stay with me on this. Here God is raising these nations up. You think you have problems? You think you have stresses and worries and cares and things you can't deal with in life? You look at an illness or something that's too big for you and too great for you? Just look at this and let it encourage your faith that our God is greater than all the things upon this earth and all the things that can come your way. He's almighty God and he's ruling over the very nations and every individual. There's a little word of prophecy in Isaiah 49 and verse 20. Listen to what the Lord says, Isaiah 49 and verse 20. The children which thou shalt have after thou hast lost the other. Now these have not been fulfilled to my knowledge. I've searched and searched and searched, but only in one place. And that is in Great Britain. Now listen to this again. The children which thou shalt have after thou hast lost the other, shall say in thine ears, the place is too straight for me, that I might dwell. Here we have the children that were lost was the 13 colonies of the United States of America in 1776. And after Britain lost them, 
And the gospel is being preached and the Wesley brothers are all over, all over England preaching and, and, and Great Britain is saved from a French revolution and brotherly love church and great uh, uh, evangelical uh, uh, outposts are set out around, going out around the world. How on earth do we get them farther afield? God had planned it that our nation would do great things in the earth. And I know that there's people from our nation and they've done terrible things in the earth. They've done terrible, wicked things. But they also brought the gospel. They brought health and they brought medicine. They brought education. And we forget all of those things that our great nation did. And people try and run Great Britain down. Here we have... Here we have the Lord saying, when you've lost those children, when thou hast lost the others, shall say in your ears, the place is so straight for me that I may dwell. They lost America and the 13 eastern seaboard colonies. And at that time sprang up the industrial revolution in Britain. And Britain with its great factories and a population explosion, suddenly it became too small, or as it says here, too straight, too tight for the people. And what did they do? They put them on ships and started sailing around the world. It fulfills Genesis 35 and 11. I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a commonwealth or a company of nations shall be of thee. And kings shall come out of thy loins. That is the first major captivity. Now notice these nations rising in the earth according to time scales and prophecy. Now we go to the second kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom. Judah, we're told in 1 Kings, after Ahijah takes that garment and rents it in 12 pieces, gives 10 pieces to, to Jeroboam, he rules over the house of Israel, or the first king as it were over the house of Israel, Rehoboam, who is Solomon's son, he has the house of Judah, that is the tribe where our Lord would come from, and that is the house of David would be his father's house where our Lord's lineage would be from, and he also has not only the tribe and the house, but Benjamin, the little tribe of Benjamin is the light that's given to him for his father David, and known as the light before David always. That's what the scripture tells us. Now, is this a fulfillment of prophecy to the T or not? All of our Lord's disciples, save Judas Iscariot, and probably with the the exception of Matthew, who sat at the custom, he was called Levi, probably a Levite. But all of them, even the Apostle Paul who came after, they're all believed to have come from the tribe of Benjamin. And what did they do? They carried the gospel to the West. You see God's word really fulfilling here. God saying, I will do this. Jeremiah 16 and 16, I'll not read it, go to it. The Lord says, I will send hunters to hunt them and fishers to fish after them because they're scattered. He says, I will send them. Jesus comes along the shore, sees two men, Andrew and his brother Peter, James and John, and he cries unto them, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. men alive he says 
You see the divine origin of your Bible? Folks, I hope tonight you see the power in this gospel of the kingdom. The divine origin of the Holy Scriptures showing our God is in control. This nation of Judah, the Babylonians come. And the Babylonians take Judah away. Nebuchadnezzar is the king and he carries them away. You'll remember as we've been going through this that the Babylonian kingdom under Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar has the dream, the man with the head of gold and the chest and the arms of silver and the belly of brass, the thighs of brass and the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay. And when he has this dream, Daniel is in Babylon at this time. This is the second captivity carrying away into Babylon. This is 500 miles apart, 120 or so years later. And here we have this heathen king saying about this dream. Daniel tells him the dream. He says, thou art this head of gold. Babylon is the head of gold. And then we have the Medo-Persian kingdom, the Grecian kingdom. Then we have the Iron Kingdom, which was the pagan Roman kingdom. And then we had the papal Roman kingdom coming with the European Union. The toes are where we are today. See those toes? That's where you are today. Know the days you're living in. This is where we are at these toes. The feet were, 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 were iron and clay in the European Union. That's why Britain must stay out. Because there's a stone cut out without hands, we're told. And we're told it comes and it fills It becomes a great mountain in the earth and it fills the whole earth. And that is what is happening with this message I'm preaching to you. It started to grow. The gospel expanded through through our nation and then through America and through Western nations. Went to Africa and China and India. It's went to Japan and Korea. It's went to South America. And God's kingdom is filling the earth. And when Christ returns, he will come in power and great glory. And you and I will be caught up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We shall be changed. That's where we are. And Christ will rule and he will reign from Jerusalem. For as birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. So, getting excited, I have to watch myself. It's warm up here tonight. Here in this carrying away of Judah and Benjamin, the light-bearing tribe, holding forth the word of life, as Paul says. The seven times punishment starts because they become like their treacherous sister in the house of Israel. In the house of Judah, the attack comes first of all from Nebuchadnezzar, to Babel, from Babylon to Jerusalem in 606 BC, now take this in, 606 BC, it was besieged by Nebuchadnezzar. And Judah's seven times punishment had just started then. Now 606 BC, 2,520 years, which is the seven times punishment, it brings us up to the year 1914. You know what happened in 1914? We remembered it today with the poppy on our lapel. God took peace from off the earth and the devil had a field day and World War I broke out. I believe that was the beginning of Armageddon. That's my personal view. 
You're starting to hear my personal views more and more anyhow. It was the, the battle of the great day of God Almighty as the gathering together and the great climax. A great time of trouble. But Armageddon, I believe, started at the end of Judah's seven times punishment from their first captivity. And we've had World War I, we've had World War II, we've never had peace on the earth since it. And by the way, there was no surrender in World War I, it was just Armistice Day. They decided just, uh, we'll quit. Here we have 1914 was the seven times punishment finishing for Judah in Jerusalem. Judah's where we get the name Jews. See if somebody tells you Abraham the Jew, that's not biblical. Abraham wasn't a Jew, he was a Hebrew. In fact, he wasn't even an Israelite, there were none. Until Jacob was born, his grandson, and he was called Israel, and that's where he got Israelite from. And he had 12 sons, and one of his sons was called Judah. That's where we get the name Jew from, and the rest of them weren't called that. That's another study for another time. Nebuchadnezzar in 604 BC comes to take over Jerusalem. I note this. The seven times punishment from 604 BC, that's 2,520 years, brings us to a date, 1917. 1917 AD. So what happened in 1917 AD? Well, Luke 21 and verse 24, the Savior says this. Jerusalem shall be trodden down off the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. What times? What does he mean? Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. What did the Savior mean? Let me tell you what the Savior meant. He meant the seven times punishment on the house of Judah would not end until the seven times was over. And that didn't come o- stop until 1917. A.D. that is. Now Jesus said that. That there would be trouble. Right from thou art this head of gold to the bub- from the Babylonian kingdom. Through all of these kings and rulers. There was always Gent- Gentile dominion over Judah. Let me read a couple of things to you just to show you the strength of prophecy for those of us who can get it into our minds and our hearts. Dr. Grattan Guinness, and yes, he's part of the Guinness family, the brewers. Half of them were, went into the brewery business and another family of them went to be evangelical Christians. Grew up in Dublin, or he was in Dublin, and he a great preacher, seen many souls won for the Lord. 31 years before A.D. 17, The year was 1886 and he wrote a book called Light for the Last Days. What days we live in? The last days. And he wrote the book Light for the Last Days. And he looked at this, what I'm teaching you tonight. Listen to what he says. 31 years before it happened. The year 1917 is doubly indicated in prophecy. As a final crisis date in which the seven times punishment runs out. There can be no question that those who will live to see this year, 1917, will have reached one of the most important, perhaps the most momentous of these terminal years of crisis. 
He looked at the Bible, believed this prophetic fulfillment of what I'm teaching you. And he said, if anybody lives to 1917, 31 years from now, he says, you're going to see a momentous year. It was the seven times punishment end for the house of Judah. Let me read this also. Dr. Aldersmith writes in his book, The Fullness of the Gentiles. He wrote it in 1896. Listen to what he says. One day, some light trouble might light up a great European war, which in the end may see the the fall of Turkey, Russia greatly extending her power, and dominion in the east, The seven times may not have commenced till 604 BC. If so, as students of a prophetical word are agreed that when the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled and Jerusalem ceases to be trodden down, we may expect it to pass again into the hands of its rightful owners. This period may end about 1917 AD. Only time will show then the house of Judah will walk to the house of Israel to be replaced in Palestine. Now he wrote that, just going on what we are teaching tonight in 1896. Isn't that tremendous stuff? Isn't that fantastic stuff? That your Bible shows its divine origin. Let me run this past you quickly and briefly. In 1917, General Allenby came with his, his, uh, his troops. And his troops were fighting all around, on battlefronts, all around Palestine. Um, the British troops were also fighting in Utes and Belgium at the time. They were also fighting along the Eastern Front. Somme had already been. And they were fighting great wars all over Europe, just as Dr. Aldersmith said. You know what started that? The shooting of Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Austria. That's what started it. And he said some slight thing. One shot started the war. So the troops were fighting all over. Passchendaele was being fought as well. And November the 17th, 1917, the British captured Gaza and Palestine from the Turks. Remember Dr. Aldersmith says you'll see the demise of the Turks. He captured They captured Gaza. And then on November the 16th, 1917, British and Commonwealth troops take Tel Aviv and Jaffa. Here we have the power shown in the lion and the young lion standing over their prey of Isaiah 31 and verse 4. They're not going to give away that which they have taken. And although there's great battles, there's much bloodletting. Many who had died in this war, they, he, they stood strong, they stood firm, they stood over, and they were determined to defeat the enemy. And they did. The power of God was being shown in the earth using the agency of man. Jerusalem but is still trodden down of the Gentiles. November the 2nd, 1917, the Balfour Declaration proclaims support for a Jewish state in Palestine. General Allenby took Jerusalem without a shot being fired or a bomb being dropped. He took number 14 bomber squadron from Britain and he got them to fly over the city. 
And the Turks seen the planes, the little bi wings, going over the city. And they were like birds flying. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Bloodletting is all over the place. Right outside the walls there is bloodletting. But inside Jerusalem, not a shot was fired, not a bomb was dropped. God had spread his wings to protect his city. And the Turks ran out. They captured 12,000 Turks in one day. Just like Dr. Aldersmith said in Bible prophecy. Oh boy. That's just amazing, isn't it? Number 14 Bomber Squadron had a medal struck up. And the medal said, I spread my wings and keep my promise. Let me finish with this. There are things we could bring out of this. In Daniel 12 and 2, there's a prophecy there. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the 1,305 and 30 days, or 1,335 days, 1,335 days. We have looked at the little horn of the east and the little horn of the west. And the little horn of the east being the Islamic regime. In 622 AD, you add on its date, which is 1335. The Islamic calendar is the same year, 1917. Blessed is he that waits to the year 1335. See the Church of England? The Church of England on the 8th of December when the planes went over. On the 9th of December, Allenby walks into Jerusalem, the Jaffa Gate in Jerusalem. Do you know what the reading was in the table of lessons from the Book of Common Prayer in the Anglican Church on the 8th of December that time? Isaiah 31, as birds flying. So will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Coincidence again. I'll finish with this. There's more to tell you, but I'll finish with this. There was an old prophecy. Well, it could be a false prophecy, but it came true. So I would say it's just a saying. It was a, 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 a Turkish Islamic saying, in others, to show an impossibility. You know, you and I say, yeah, that'll happen when pigs fly. We know pigs aren't going to fly. Except for, you know, unless they're being carried in something. But pigs naturally flying ain't going to happen. And that sort of term, yeah, that'll happen when pigs fly. There was a... a a saying among the, the Arabs, and this is what it said. When the waters of the Nile flow into Palestine, then will a prophet of Allah come and drive the Turks out of this land. In other words, they were saying, it's impossible. You know how impossible it is to move the Ottoman Empire, the Turkish Ottoman Empire from Jerusalem? And from the river Euphrates being dried up. Remember I told you before the great rivers all Turkish Ottoman Empire. They said we're so big, we're so strong, we're so mighty. It's impossible. In fact it's so impossible. Whenever the water comes from miles away. From the great river Euphrates. And is found here in Palestine. Then Allah. It will be up to Allah. It says but then Allah will drive the Turks out of the land. 
In other words, it ain't going to happen. What do you hear what happened? 1917, take over Jerusalem of Allenby, just as the Lord said. They needed water. You know what they've done? They built the Jan pipeline from where? The river Euphrates, right in to Palestine. And the water flowed right up through Palestine. Do you know what Allenby, General Allenby's name is in Arabic? Alan en Nebe. It means the man or the prophet of the Lord. Coincidence? Let me finish with this. The Lord says, shows his perseverance. Turn ye from whom the children of Israel have revolted. You have turned against me, Britain. You have turned against me, United States. You have turned against me, all the people. You have turned against me. Turn back to me. And you need to turn to the Lord tonight and give your life to Christ. For the same Bible that shows us all these marvelous things is the exact same Bible that says you will not enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And that Christ has paid the price for your sin. You must come and trust in the finished work of Calvary's tree. Boy, that was a big one tonight, wasn't it for you? Get the tape, get the CD, listen to it, get your Bible out. And go over it and over it, and I'll see where I get to next week. I don't know where I'm going next week. I'll maybe do another one, but we'll see. I would do one showing you. 1917, Bolshevik Revolution. Revolution. 1917, the land visions of Vatima. I'll maybe show you that. 1917, also, we had have the drying up of the river Euphrates, and the kings of the east being prepared, the Chinese, and so on. All from this year. God is doing a mighty thing in the coming of the Lord Roth now. Let's worship and we'll go home. Thank you for your attention.